Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Yo. Yo. Aubrey Edwards, Tony Schiavone, we bout to party. We bout to party. Unrestricted. Got the house now. We gon' turn it up, up, bring the house down. Got that big space pump and make them bounce now. Flossing like they bossing and the freaks are coming out now. Happy New Year, everyone. It is Aubrey Edwards here at AEW Unrestricted. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast every week. Thank you so much for giving us all the love. We love, love, love hearing Everyone enjoying all of these episodes, all of these interviews, talking to all of our AEW family and just getting to know everyone here. It's absolutely great. Love my co-host, Tony Schiavone. We've actually had Alex Abrahentes on the podcast a lot recently. Tony's a little busy. He's got all of his fun VP stuff backstage he's doing. So I've been really, really lucky to work with Alex recently. So much fun doing episodes every week. And there's so much more we look forward to doing and bringing you great episodes in 2023. But today we've got a little something different for you. Put together some of our favorite moments from 2022. And we have a very special, exclusive special segment with Wardlow from our live podcast. We did it all out at a fan fest. So enjoy, laugh along, remember all of the amazing moments, and we will see you in 2023. Welcome to another edition of AEW Unrestricted. We are the official podcast of All Elite Wrestling. And I'm Tony Schiavone along with my longtime friend and co-host, Aubrey Edwards. Hey, Aubrey. Hey, it has been a long time. It feels like forever. Yeah, it does. We uh, It's a very special edition of Unrestricted. We have a very, very special guest with us, uh, a young man that I've known for, well, not that long, but it truly is one of the great athletes in AEW, one of the nicest guys, and one of the guys that I really enjoy being around. And uh, hang on one second. I've just received a note. Okay, well, that guy's not here, so we'll have to go with Jay Lethal. <laughs> oh, my <Woo>! God. <laughs> no, I'm talking about Jay Lethal. How you doing, Jay? <laughs> I'm, I'm doing great. And uh, you know what's wild? You mentioned, you know, we really haven't known each other that long, but it doesn't feel like that. I know. It feels like, Tony, it feels like we've known each other forever. Absolutely. Absolutely. From the time you walked out and screened my name out when we introduced you, big pop from the fans. Oh, Buddy, it is it's it is great having you here. It really is, man. We can't have Jay Lethal on this podcast and not talk about the Ric Flair woo-off. Yes. Just just talk about it. Just talk about it because it's it's this amazing clip that a lot of people like discovered you. Okay. And where Ric Flair's in the rings, like doing his woo. And you're trying to one-up him, and it's just like, what the hell is happening here? Yes. Okay, so there are two things that I really feel that put Jay Lethal on the wrestling map, if there were a wrestling map. Uh, one is the Black Machismo character that I did, um, and the other is the Ric Flair imitation. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, Jay Lethal didn't put himself on that wrestling map. In fact, uh, Raven, he said to me one day, he goes, Jay, your Macho Man impression spot on your Ric Flair impression 
what did he say? Your Ric Flair impression? Well, anyway, he said it was good. He goes, but your, <laughs> but your Jay Lethal impression needs some work. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the, the Ric Flair thing was incredible. But I knew, even from a young age, that I could do this Macho Man impression. I did it around the house all the time. Never once did I attempt the Ric Flair one, though. And the only reason I found that I could do that, ironically enough, uh, we were all over in the UK, and on one of the off days, you know, wrestlers get bored. We all went down to the bar. Everybody was there. Drinks plenty. I had a few too much to drink, and I'm a lightweight because I don't drink that often. So just one or two is enough to make me tipsy. And that is how I found out I could do this amazing Ric Flair impression. In fact, I didn't even think it was that good until the next day I got on the bus and people are wooing and they're putting up the four fingers because we had such a great time last night. And that's when I was like, wow, the Ric Flair thing that I was doing must be pretty good. That's how I found that I could do it. Wow. So uh, then it became this thing where I did it all the time in the locker room. In fact, Earl Hebner, who liked it the most, we wouldn't even say hi to each other. We would just start wooing or strutting just like, exactly like Tony and I do. Tony and I. Don't even say hi to each other. <laughs> we just look at each other and strut. <laughs> One time I see Earl, I start wooing, I strut, and he doesn't strut and he doesn't woo. I go, oh, maybe Earl's having a bad day. So as I get closer to him, I go, what's up, Earl? And he goes, you'll never believe who's coming here. And instantly my heart dropped. I mean, my stomach you know, sank because I knew exactly what was going to happen. Mm -hmm. Everybody was going to put me on the spot and make me do the impression for him. Uh, so I was terrified. I didn't think that I would get to work with him, but I was terrified. So weeks leading up, I'm getting more and more nervous. And finally he's there and he's always got a big group of people around him. It's his first day there. So I try to time my introduction at a point where there's nobody around them, but it never happened. Mm -hmm. So then there was a point where there was just a massive amount of people around him. I go, maybe this is better than nobody because there's so many people he won't even realize. So uh, I, we, you know, wiggle through the crowd and get to him. And right before I get to him, I'm like, how, what do I say? Mr. Flair or Rick or like, what? A, uh, so I, don't know. I get to him. I stick my hand. I go, ah, Rick, uh, Jay Lethal is pleasure to meet you. And he looks down on my hand and he looks up at me and he goes, let me hear it. <laughs> <laughs> and every, it's like everybody around, it's like that record scratching or that outlaw walks into the saloon and everybody stops playing cards and looks. Everybody's looking. <laughs> and uh, without skipping a beat, I jump right into the promo that Flair cut when uh, he helped Undertaker beat Hulk Hogan for the world title. Mm -hmm. And man, he absolutely loved it. Everyone starts laughing. And he didn't even, he kind of just like walked away and goes, kid does me better than I do myself. <laughs> no, thank you. He never thanked me. There'd be some times where we have these house shows. And when I get there, I would hear him screaming for me. Lethal, you son of a bitch. Where are you? And so I knew what that meant. So I'd go find him. He'd go do it. So whoever he was with, I'd do the impression for him. At the end of it, they'd turn and walk away. And he's laughing while they're walking away. And I hear him say, he does me better than I do myself. Never thanked me. But, you know, just the fact that he appreciated it was thanks enough. Right. So we, sorry, this is a long story. No, it's, it's good. That's great. To get to uh, me working with him had to be his idea because 
at Impact Wrestling, there's no way they're telling Ric Flair what to do. So he must have went and said, I want to work with Lethal. So one day I get there, Vince Russo goes, comes up to me, goes, bro, <laughs> you got a promo today with Ric Flair. I go, oh my God, no way. He goes, yeah. You do a pretty good Vince Russo too, by the way. (laughs) Yes, he does. (laughs) He goes, "Uh, but look, bro, Ric Flair won't let us write anything for him. So you're going to have to go to him and see what do you, what does he want to do? I go, okay. So I go into Flair's off. uh, It was like an office. His room. His room. Yeah. I go into his room. And I said, oh, Russo said we're going to, we have a promo today working together. Blair goes, yeah, we're going to tear the house down, brother. Uh, I go, uh, he he said uh, I should get with you and figure out what you want to say, how we want to. He goes, oh, I don't talk about my promos ahead of time. He goes, we'll, we'll do it out there. And I start laughing. And then he started laughing because I was laughing. Right. Because I thought he was joking. Um, so I kind of like, I'm going to walk out. But then I come back and I'm like, uh. So when I come out, what, what do you want me to say? What are you going to be saying? And he goes, I told you. I don't talk about my promos ahead of time. We'll do it out there. And he kind of like, he slapped me on the shoulder, a little power pat, and then he, he walks out of the room. Yeah. And I remember thinking, why is he walking out? This is his room. Like, why, why did he get here? So up until that point, I had done a bunch of the Macho Man, the, the Black Machismo. So get this. If they needed me to cut a promo, A, B, C, D, E. Right. As Black Machismo, I didn't even have to hit all those points. I do a little bit of A and B. Maybe I skip C and D altogether and go right to E. And they call cut. Perfect. Good. <laughs> so I, I was just this one take wonder, but it didn't really matter what I said just as long as I had that voice. Right. And all of my promos were all pre-tapes. I'd never, they had never let me cut a live promo in front of a live crowd. Oh, wow. Ever. Never. This was the first time, and I got to go through it with Ric Flair. Mm. So all that was, the only thing planned was I go out there and imitate Flair. That's it. He comes out, and who knows what's going to happen after that. That was the only thing planned. And I remember standing behind the curtain before they hit Flair's music for me to go out. People are going to be so confused. (laughs) And, like, my hands started going numb. I was so nervous. And Simon Diamond came up to me. He goes, you look terrified are you okay i go i'm terrified i I, like i've never cut a live promo before and now i get like and i don't even know what's gonna happen like what if he says i say something i'm not supposed to say and he's like just relax he goes what you gotta understand is the only reason you're about to do what you're doing now is because you've been doing something in the locker room that's so funny and so cool so when you go out there just pretend like you're in the locker room don't do anything that you wouldn't do back here Great advice. It, it made total sense to me. Didn't make me feel any better, but logically <laughs> in my head, in my head, I understood what he was saying. So I went out there and man, it was a blur. The whole thing was just a blur. I had to watch it back so many times. Yeah. It, it's worth everybody watching it back. Oh, and yeah. Now, now we know it was completely ad lib, which is wonderful. Which to me, it's old school the way promos should be done anyway. I mean, you know what you're going to do, go out and talk. And right. I've told you many times that I can watch you uh, elbow drop your jacket a million times. <laughs> it is, to me, the funniest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> and you can tell that Flair was just dying inside. He wanted to laugh, you know? Yes, yes, yeah. yes. There was one time where I know that I got him. Right. I said a line. 
he only said this line maybe two or three times on film. God knows how many said it, times he said it, you know, and it wasn't recorded, but there's not many recordings of him saying the line jumping on is a lot easier than jumping off <laughs> and when i said that line you could all he could say was wow because <laughs> he had a smart comeback and reply for everything that i was saying except yeah. for that all he did all he could say was wow and that that's when i knew i got him because he said wow and he was kind of like laughing and smirking when he said it that made my my life right there <laughs> it is wonderful. It is absolutely wonderful. It is worth everyone watching. I can tell you that. Thank you, Tony. We are we are really really uh, excited and intrigued uh, about uh, this guest. Intrigued is a good word. <laughs> yes, being with us, Dan Housen has joined us. One of the newest members of AEW. Dan Housen, how are you? Ah, oh, pretty good. It's a bit early though. I think. Can you wait, make Dan Housen wake up early a.m.s to come on this podcast? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I can see the dark circles uh, around your eyes, so I know it's very early for you. <laughs> oh, my. You're famished. <laughs> uh, listen, on, on social media, I've been trying to join William Regal and Chris Jericho, the Chris Judas Satisfaction Friendship Society. How's that going? Oh, I, th- I think it's pretty good. I think I'm uh, breaking some barriers, breaking some walls down, if you will. Uh-huh. You know. See what you did there. Well, uh, yeah, there was a pun on accident. I realized I was saying it as it was happening. So, live and in person. <laughs> I think we're doing well, though. I posted the photo of Dan Housen in classic WrestleBoy gear, and uh, I think I'm going to get slapped soon and join him. I want to actually talk a little bit about how we met, since it's related to this current question. We met on the cruise. Yes. When did your relationship with Chris Jericho start? Oh, probably a few months before the cruise. Chris Judas discovered Dan Housen via the fan housings on Twitter. Uh, he's asking who should be a guest on his wonderful podcast. And uh, they said, Dan Housen. He said, there's an open invite. And then we started to uh, text. Then he was invited on there. And then later, he got invited on the cruise where we met. And also, that's where Dan Housen's uh, satisfaction friendship uh, came from with Chris Judas. Another thing that happened on the boat, for those that don't know. Oh, yes. Yes, the, the gun club has been referred to as the Ass Boys. Oh, yes. I believe that began there thanks to Dan Housen. Yes, it actually began on the cruise, and I think I was there for the, the moment of its inception, if you will. For for the fans that don't know the backstory, can you talk about that a little bit? Oh, yes. So, uh, Dan Housen, or Chris, Chris Jericho, or Judas, whichever you may call him, uh, asked Dan Housen to do a comedy show for some reason. I don't know why. But he was like, oh, well, he'll invite Billy Ass, a legend. Also, by the way, that is not swearing. That's his last name. He puts it on the back of his shorts. It says Mr. Ass. So, Correct. You know, he said, I'll invite him. And then his little ass boy showed up, too. They started to cause a ruckus. You know, then the crowd started chanting ass boys. They seem to have a terrible, terrible time with it for some reason. They get really mad, even though it's their last name. They should just embrace their legacy. And, uh, you know, that was there. And then, oh, Dan Housen also saved Chris Jericho on his own cruise. You saved Jericho? Getting beat up by, uh, what's uh, the chaos project? They're causing chaos. Oh, Luther. Yeah, yeah, Luther and the, the Snake Man, right? And uh, what? What he came down the ramp, the crowd erupted, and he saved Chris Judas from them both. So we've been friends ever since. This is AEW Unrestricted. Tony and Aubrey here with the Goat, the Wizard, the Le Champion. They've gone by many, many names. Chris Jericho, and they've all worked. And they, they've That's all worked, as we've established. Like the, the I love the Gretzky analogy. It's absolutely great. And 
we, we've seen a lot of reinvention that you've done over the career. And now you're bringing back, you know, the Lionheart. Uh, occasionally we see the Painmaker return. What's kind of goes behind your decision-making factor when you say, I'm going to bring back one of these characters? Lionheart was Mox's idea. Yeah. Because we were trying to think, we had this title match because everybody was hurt this summer. Mm-hmm. You know, Punk was hurt. Danielson was hurt. Samoa Joe wasn't available. Kenny. Kenny was hurt. Freaking Adam Cole was hurt. Someone's got to hold down the fort. And this summer it was Mox and Jericho. If he, if he wasn't in the main event, if his story was in the main event, my story was. So it was perfect for us to have a rematch. We had never had one since February of 20. He had to say, he's like, well, we need a gimmick match. I said, no, we don't. We just did this barbed wire thing. Let's just have a fucking wrestling match. That's the gimmick. And he came up with the Lionheart idea. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's really cool. We can really sink our teeth into that. You know, I went to the storage unit to try and find the old Lionheart tights. I could not find them. So I'm like, well, why, why would I? I found the kick pads. They smell like a storage unit. Of course. But I'm like... If Kiss was going on tour in 2022 wearing the costumes from the Love Gun tour in 77, Mm -hmm. they wouldn't dig them out of the mothballs. They'd have a new updated version made. So that's what I did with the Lionheart tights. That's what I'm going to do for this. That's what I did. And then after the pulmonary embolism, I finally dropped the weight that I gained for the pain maker. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I said, I'll just do a couple of little wacky Mexican submissions and get the white zombie theme song. and We'll see what happens. And it was one of the best matches of my career. This is AEW Unrestricted, the official podcast of All Elite Wrestling. Your hosts, Aubrey Edwards and Tony Schiavone, here with the wonderful and amazing Tony Storm. Uh, We were talking a little bit earlier about how uh, we're all very tired and we see each other at the airport at 5 a.m. I'm rocking an energy drink today, like my good personal friend, Tony Schiavone, because I just got off the plane. Tony, I hear you had an interesting travel story today. What happened? You're not going to believe it. It was was quite an interesting morning to say the least i get my I, i'm on like 8 a.m from jfk going home you know how it is early flight not much sleep mm-hmm. you're kind of waking up on the plane as it's taking off and so i'm sat on the plane we're about to take off but there's a bit of a delay but the captain's like it's fine we've got one more like 10 minutes to go we'll be up in the air shortly there's this commotion kind of like somewhat beside me <laughs> I just have to get this off my chest because it's it was the most wildest, ridiculous thing I've seen for a while. I just have to tell people. And this guy just, I guess he didn't want to wait to go to the bathroom. I guess he really <gasps> needed to go to the bathroom. So he he had this empty cup and I shit you not, he just was like, man, no, I can't. I'm going to piss myself. I can't piss myself. <laughs> and like, he whips it out, cup, like straight up whipped it out, peed in a cup. I'm not lying. This happened beside me. I can hear the cup filling. I can hear the cup filling. Oh. But I'm like, I'm like I, what do you do in that moment? I'm like mortified. It was, <laughs> I, I was like, does this happen? Does this happen regularly on early morning flights from JFK? Mm, don't think so. It was just insane. And this woman beside him was like, oh, it was a whole commotion. And then immediately after, this is where it gets weird. <laughs> it's a way that's not weird yet. <laughs> <laughs> so okay. a few rows back, further back, like you hear this announcement, the flight attendant's like, oh, there's a very special person who wants to ask a very special someone a special something. No. And then I turn around and some guy is proposing to his wife, but like, I'm looking at this guy who's still holding his cup of pits who like i have to look at him to look at this guy who's proposing to the woman of his dreams on this 
disgusting right and it was just it was too much uh, all at uh, once yeah it was but like the worst part about the whole thing was when we were taking off like he's juggling this cup i was mortified it's one of those things where it's going to take a while to get that out of my head it was right beside me oh boy so he's juggling this cup full of <laughs> urine yeah. And you're taking off and you're thinking this thing is going to slosh around any moment now or he's going to drop it, worst of all. And and now you're thinking in your mind, if 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 I'm right here, you know, I can ding and get the flight attendant. But then again, it'll delay the flight another hour before they get his yeah. dumb ass off and throw him off or something. Oh, yeah. And then we landed and there was police standing right there. It was off. They took him off the plane? Yeah, they arrested him. You know, you know what I'm thinking? Like, you know, I flight attendants yell at me if my bag is slightly sticking out of the little seat thing and I'm being told off. And then a guy cannot sit next to me and just straight up take a piss in the seat beside me. He better be arrested. I'll be following up on this case. So the flight attendants ever say anything? No, that's, this is a tremendous story. This, this is worth a whole segment in itself. Listen, all this thing about stardom can wait. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> screw it. <laughs> That's right. I got more. I got more important shit. So the flight attendants say something to him. Well, the woman beside him gets the flight attendant, and they're like, "Is there a problem?" And she's like, "Yes." And this commotion, but I think they try and keep it calm because, like, I guess no one wants a cup of piss slung at them. And like, no, exactly. Yeah, you never, you can never cause too much commotion when someone's holding a cup of pee. Just, just so you know, guys, that's my wisdom for the day. That's my advice. That's how I, how I like to live my life. It's great to have Samoa Joe with us. Joe, how are you, buddy? I'm excellent, man. I'm glad you're back too. Yeah, this is much more pleasant than having Alex here. I agree. This is <laughs> way better scenario. True heel. Uh, by the way, I just want to say that uh, just to start out this. That Joe at one time only had a thirty-three and a third chance of beating Scott Steiner, you know, and Scott Steiner was sixty-six and two-thirds chance. Strong math, strong, strong math. <laughs> strong math. It's almost unbeatable, you know. <laughs> you know, we we did defy the odds. We did defy the statistical odds, but <laughs> I mean, when he laid it out like that, I mean, it just kind of made the struggle that much more real in people's minds. You know, I mean, the insurmountable odds that were in front of me. You know that that damn thing stood the test of time. I mean, people still talk about that. It did. So, you know, I, I tell people, like, I was standing behind the camera as, like, Scott was kind of, like, free-forming it in his head. Yeah. And I remember kind of, you know, he did an earlier take, and, it, you know, he was kind of getting the idea. And then, like, I think it was, like, the second one, he just went. I was visibly behind the camera just trying to hold my stuff together. And uh, <laughs> when it all got done, I just looked at Scott. I, was, I, was, I think I was the one. Yeah, <laughs> That was tremendous, man. I just want to hit you with that first, but I want to let you know how great it is to have you here. You made your appearance at the ROH Supercard of Honor uh, back in uh, Dallas not that long ago. And what a response, man. What a response for you, not only there, but your first time in Dynamite. You had to be really thrilled about that. Oh, absolutely. You know, I've, I've uh, been fortunate enough that the fans have, uh, have migrated with me on my many adventures and many journeys and many companies. So, uh, you know, it's, it's always good to get a warm welcome I know from working backstage uh, at that Ring of Honor show, your debut, it, you getting to uh, to Dallas was a challenge because of weather issues. And you did make it, obviously, uh, but that was a very challenging day because of the weather issues. But, uh, hey, you've been in the business long enough to know that sometimes travel can be difficult. Oh, absolutely. I mean, yeah, I know. I know uh, there was weather preventing jets to get into Tampa on time and right. a lot of mechanical issues, flights going out. And so uh, I had to end up driving to uh, Cross City, Florida, small little uh, kind of uh, rural town in the middle of Florida to catch a private jet to get up to the show. And it was, uh, 
it was quite an escapade. The best part was, is as I arrived to the airport, I walked into this little office. And this little man sitting behind the counter looked at me and I said, Hey man, uh, you know, I'm here. I got a jet coming in and picking me up. And he just goes, well, what time? I said, well, I think seven o'clock. And he goes, well, we close at six, man. Uh, see what I can do. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> I remember Tony came to me and he said, where is Cross City, Florida? Have you ever heard of it? And I had to go on my phone and look at Wikipedia. I said, yeah, here it is. It's like southeast of Tallahassee, a little bit north of Tampa. And I said, there's really an airport there? He said, yeah, there is. So, I didn't know there was a city there, to be honest <laughs> with you. So, I mean, yeah, it was, it was quite a surprise that to everybody. <laughs> that was good. I like that the guy that lives in Florida is like, where the hell is this place? <laughs> that should automatically tell you. Yeah, I spoke to several people here and, and, and many, many people who are uh, I would describe as, as fine country folk. And even they were like, I've, I've never heard of Cross City. <laughs> wow. So the fact you made it is even like a testament to itself. It's like, oh, man, first he ended up in this place that nobody believes is real. Yeah. Then he finally made it on a plane after they've been closed, made it to Dallas, which is like where travel goes to die and all the weather's terrible. So against all odds, you have this incredible debut. So thank you for everything that you endured, because Go that's... Ahead. You, you, you can thank Tony's pilots, man. They, uh, they went above and beyond and uh, trying to get down there and find me. <laughs> yeah, they're good guys. Working with Pat closely like I do, and it's been tremendous, to be honest with you, being able to work with you and Sanjay and, and QT and Ace and all you guys. I, uh, we were in Savannah, and uh, Pat said, uh, I can't find my rental car. <laughs> it's been stolen. What? Yes, that's what he said. And we went, no. Really? From the, from the hotel? Yes, it's been stolen. And I can't find my keys. So I'm thinking, well, he left his keys in his car and someone stole it. He called the police. You're painting me in a bad light. I can't wait to, <laughs> I, I can't wait to counter this, but go ahead. <laughs> okay. You call the police. The police gets involved and you can pick up the story from there. Sure. So a little bit <laughs> before I'm painted as an absolute idiot. <laughs> You're not an absolute <laughs> There's a little more to this. Okay. I land the night before and not breaking the fourth wall. I'm with uh, Dan Hauser was on my flight. Okay. And I was like, hey, buddy, hop in the car. Let's go. And I remember we pull up to the hotel. You get the parking ticket that allows you to get into the garage. We park the car. And I distinctly remember having the keys in my hand. Okay. I pop the trunk. We get our bags out, close the trunk. Now, to be perfectly honest, I don't remember having the keys after that. But okay. Uh, let's just see what happens right. we check in etc cetera, etc cetera. like tony said the next day i wake up ah where's the rental key can't find it can't find it can't find it man did i leave the keys in the car i go down the car and it's not there and then i'm like okay maybe i parked in a different spot maybe i'm not remembering things i asked dan house and he's like no 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 you this is where you park so yeah the hotel manager came out we walked through every single parking spot on the premise where it could possibly be. And I'm like, look, the car is gone. And she's like, well, you should keep looking for the key. I'm like, we're way past that. The car is not here. And that's that. So I do call the police. We follow report, et cetera. And finally, I keep trying to figure this out. And I call the police later. And they're like, no, we're reporting it stolen. And of course, they're like, did you leave the keys in the car? And I go, no, I definitely didn't. I'm like, I think I might have put them on the hotel desk or fell out of my pocket. but I don't know if I left the keys in the car, but I don't know. So I'm freaking out too because like, am I on the hook for this? You know, this is pretty bad, right? And then yesterday, I'm just kind of sitting around, and I have this thought that just kind of hits me. I went, a new theory happened because also in that parking lot, I remember Christopher Daniels, and I can say this because it's actually unrelated. 
he had the same exact rental car type that I had. It was a blue Dodge Challenger. Right. And I knew that was his car because I was trying to, I was like, is this my car? But I could see there, his agreement. I saw his name and I was like, okay, that's Chris's car. But then I thought, wait a minute, this is what happened. Somebody there, and it, we still don't know, could be one of the boys, mm-hmm. could be someone say that hotel, had the same exact blue Dodge Challenger as me, mm-hmm. came out, thought that where I parked was where they parked. So now they get into the car. I left the keys. I left it unlocked. I think the keys might have fell into the trunk or I just probably left them in the console. Mm-hmm. Now they can start the car because my keys are in the car and they're driving around that runner car thinking it's their own. And I know this because the car was returned to the airport yesterday at three o'clock. <laughs> so now, and I kind of hope it's one of the boys now. It wasn't Chris because Chris yeah. said, no, 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 I'm fine. But there was a couple blue challengers at the airport. So now somebody has returned my car and I thank them for it. But unfortunately, their car is still at the hotel in Savannah. Oh, my God. They think their car is in, but they're being charged every day for this car. They are. And they, and they don't realize it. And I, I, being the good Samaritan that I am, I called up and I tried to explain this to the car, car rental on their, on their 800 number and then their local thing. And they, yeah. after 10 minutes, they still couldn't understand what I was trying to tell them. So I tapped out. So they're on their own. I'm sorry. It wasn't sure. I might have messed up by dropping the keys in the trunk or leaving them there. But yeah, you took my car because you thought it was your car, and it's returned. I'm off the hook. Well, we all on the text chain yesterday for, was for sure. Thought for sure it was Christopher Daniels, and we were just laughing. <laughs> we were we were thinking, man, this is a great story. So I'm glad it's not the fallen angel. Uh, well, it'd have been a better story if he would have been him. Ah. Oh God, that's tremendous, man. That's the first time I've ever heard that, and. And I've traveled a lot. Wow. Right. This is, but it's very pro wrestling. It's very pro wrestling. Hey, Swerve Strickland is our guest. Hey, Swerve. Yes. You. How are you, brother? I'm great, man. You know, I'm always on the move. So I just get my workout in and I got a full day of uh, maneuvering, doing what I got to do. You know how it is? I do. Maneuvering. Yes. <laughs> That's what we all do, right? <laughs> you know, it never stops. You never stop moving, man. This whole angle with uh, the petition and Mark Sterling. Yeah. Uh, gave us really one of the more entertaining segments we've had in a long, long time. And I've seen a lot of cake spots in wrestling. Maybe the best cake spot I've ever seen. He had just a cakeable face. His positioning <laughs> was great. Mark Stone's a boxy guy. You know, he has a cubicle face. So I figured, like, if I <laughs> place this right and I flip it with the right, like, it was like geometry, man. It's like if I get the right acute angle to go into a 90-degree angle, you know, E equals MC squared times, you know, so <laughs> I don't know if that's me. Yeah, no, yeah. But it just worked out properly. <laughs> it worked out great. Different subject, different subject, sure. but I'll allow it. Sure. It's I, fine. I failed that class anyway. <laughs> don't worry about it. The most famous professional wrestling lawyer in the world, Mark Sterling, is with us. Thank you very much. First of all, uh, Friday night, uh, street fight on Rampage. How's the neck doing? Uh, it's feeling better. Uh, obviously, I toughed it out this week. Made it to uh, Minneapolis, you know, with, with a hurt neck. But uh, yeah. You know, I'm I'm doing what I can for my clients. You know what I'm saying? Not many lawyers will say, "Hey, I'll take a choke slam through a table from Keith Lee for my clients." Exactly. Right. I know. Finally, somebody gets it. Yeah, I do. Or or a brain buster on the floor. You know what I'm saying? It's right. Ridiculous. Or a cake to the face. Yes. Yes. Which I do need to say. Yes. And I know you probably don't feel this way. Uh-huh. To me, one of the most entertaining segments we have ever done. Oh my god. Well, I appreciate that. Hell, hell of a caking. Swerve is a professional when it comes to getting cake on, on a face, <laughs> yeah, I think. Yeah. So 
Hats off to him on that. It was a sheet cake. Sometimes that doesn't really stick, but he got it to stick, man. Yes, he did. And from a person who worked with Bobby the Brain Heenan for many years, yeah. and Bobby took many, many cakes of the face. <laughs> he right. did. It doesn't compare with that one. That was one oh, of the best. Well, thank you. It was one of the best cake shocks ever. It really was. I appreciate it. Well, thank you. Yeah. And coming up next on AEW Unrestricted Best of 2022, Wardlow live from the All Out Fan Fest. You cannot deny that this guy is. We saw him. He was in the original part of AEW. We've seen him grow. We've seen him become a great champion. Oh, so great. And he is one of the most professional guys you can ever be around backstage. The nicest human beings. Yeah. The nicest. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for the TNT champion, Wardlow. What's up, guys? Hi, how are you? Oh, I'm amazing. This today's been such a great experience. What, what have you done today? Uh, I got to see my next two figures. <gasps> wow. Congratulations! We have the purple gear from the Punk match. Nice. I I told you that's my favorite match I've done, right? And then um, the red gear when I won the TNT title. Aww, both so. both big moments in your career. Very excited, and then I did my signing over there. And got to see a bunch of fans, and they brought me gifts, and it's just been an amazing experience. Everybody loves gifts, by the way. Gifts are always accepted. Your, uh, your career in AEW has been one that has been on a, basically on a rocket ship, hasn't it? I mean, if you think about when you first started and where you are now, talk about that experience. Man. It's crazy that it's been three years. That's it, right? right? Yeah. It's like yesterday, but also forever ago. Yes. So All Out uh, has a little special place in my heart because 2019 All Out was the first time I met everybody. It was the first time I came through the door. We aired my little hype package. Mm-hmm. Right. It was the first time the, you know, we were introduced to Wardlow. So All Out's kind of my anniversary. Aww. Right. And I think everybody's going to see a next level Wardlow tomorrow. Oh, very cool. Let's hear it. Um, tomorrow is my opportunity to reintroduce myself Ooh. because there's much, much more that you guys haven't seen yet. And uh, there's uh, this title's done something to me, and there's a fire in me that I've never felt before, and it's going to come out in the ring, and it's going to happen tomorrow. Um, but yeah. So over three years, so I admit I wanted to, you know, hop on TV and just get pushed to the moon right away. Who doesn't? You know, but I had to be very patient and obviously COVID um, prolonged the process. So there was most definitely a period of time where I wondered, 
Are we going to make it out of this stage? I think am we I, all did. <laughs> am I going to get to this next level? So to be where I am today, um, I actually have to take moments to comprehend it. Um, because my literal dreams are coming true around me and I'm living my dream life and it's truly hard to comprehend some days and right. I have to remind myself that this is real uh, because I feel like I'm in a giant dream. Um, but very happy where we've come and how far we've come in the past three years. So you won the TNT title from Scorpio Sky. Excellent match. What does being TNT champion mean to you? Oh, man. So when I hear TNT champion, I think Cody Rhodes and I think Brody Lee. Mm -hmm. And those are two men uh, that had a huge impact on my life in a very short period of time of knowing them. Uh, there are two men that are incredible men and wrestlers and athletes that have done incredible things in this business. So to hold the same title that they have is monumental to me. And, and it's why it's so important for me to carry on what I believe is a hell of a legacy that this title has. Um, and I want to amp it up, and I, and I promise I will. <laughs> Tell us about your journey in wrestling, because it took some work to get here, didn't it? <laughs> It did. So I wanted to be a professional wrestler ever since I was a kid. And my goal was to graduate high school and make it all happen. But at that time, I had no clue independent wrestling existed. And at the time, you couldn't just sign up for a tryout somewhere. It cost $3,500. Yep. I did not have $3,500. Nope. Um, so I started saving money, saving money, saving money throughout my 20s, um, you know, hung out with a sketchy crew and kind of went down a different path in life. We all have a phase. And, uh, you know, there's drugs and alcohol and depression. <clears throat> and there was a point where I thought I ruined my life and ruined my dreams. And I thought there was a point this was never going to happen. And I woke up one day and I said, enough is enough. I have one life to live, and I know what I'm supposed to do with that life, and that's be a professional wrestler. And I never looked back after that day. Um, and even after I made that choice, it still took years to get out of that hole I had dug myself. Um, and then finally I found a, a promotion in Cleveland where I started training. Um, and then it took more years on the indies and traveling around making no money. Yep. Uh, and then one day, I'm jobless, living back at my mother's, broke, um, taking a nap because that's what you do when you're depressed in the middle of the day. <laughs> and, uh, Sometimes when you're not depressed, you just take a nap in the middle yeah, of the day. Yeah, no, this, this is true. Yeah. Um, and then I woke up to a missed call from a gentleman named QT. Mm. And I called him right away, and he said, I'm, I legit thought this was a prank. Um, all the way until I flew to Atlanta, I still thought I was being pranked, even when I landed. I was like, all right, someone's going to call me and be like, you idiot, you actually flew to Atlanta. <laughs> um, 
because he, he invited me. He said, if you come to Atlanta, we'll take a look at you. And I flew down to Atlanta, and I worked with QT for about four minutes in the ring before Cody said, mm, yeah, we can do something with that. Yep. Uh, and here I am. Wonderful. So you, you and I talk a lot about others. You're, it's just constant work. There's really no off-season in wrestling. And you look fantastic. Uh, can you talk a little bit about your workout routine, your nutrition, just because I don't think people fully understand how much work something like this is. Yeah. So the crazy thing is I've, I've been into bodybuilding and working out my whole life. And only the past year or two I've actually developed and really learned proper nutrition, proper training, proper rest. I was one of those guys that no days off. That is the worst thing you can do. Your, your body needs time to grow and heal. The days off are more important than your days in the gym. Um, so it was really just uh, um, being taught the proper knowledge of how to diet and how to train properly. So now my diet is bananas. I eat so many calories in a day. And they're clean calories, which isn't fun. No. And um, my training, I'm currently doing the hardest training I've ever done in my life. Really? So typically Saturday is the hardest workout I've ever done in my life. I am laid out flat in the gym after every, every time. Wow. Um, so, yeah, it's hard to maintain this year-round. We don't get a, an off-season where we get to lay back a little. So it is a full-time job just trying to maintain this year-round. Did you always wear the singlet? I know you pull down the straps down. That means, you know, get ready for the shits on. Did you always wear that in wrestling? Yeah, I've always had the singlet. Yeah. It was... uh, Good look. So, like I said, I only really got in good shape the past couple years. Okay. All right. The singlet was partially... Shut up. You've been in good shape forever. You're just in better shape now. I'm in better shape. Don't tell your story. So, So, the singlet was partially maybe insecurities... But also, um, one of my favorite wrestlers growing up, a couple of them, Brett the Hitman Hart. Right. Who had the straps. Right. And another favorite of mine was... That's, that's why you tag with FTR. That's why. Okay. <laughs> now it all makes sense. Um, and then Kevin Nash. Hmm. I, I was a big fan when Nash would go for the jackknife and pull the straps down. And it's like, and now I get to mimic that on TV, right. which is wild. I get it. I get it. So, FTR coming up tomorrow. What a team, huh? How about FTR and Wardlow together? Put any three individuals in front of us and tell me what type of chance they have. None. None. Nor the elite. (laughs) And you can tell them I said that. This is on record. This is on record. But it's, it's, it's awesome because, like, Jay Lethal is an incredible wrestler with a great history. Then you've got Chris Sabin, Alex Shelley coming in. Those guys have done a lot. Like, what's, what does this match mean to you? Oh, wow. So, yeah, this, there's so much. There's so much. So there's a significant amount happening in my personal life currently that is making this mean so much more before we even talk about the wrestling side of it. Do we got scoops? <laughs> no, we don't have <laughs> scoops. <laughs> Wardlow single. <gasps> really? 
Don't tell my sister. That's the reaction. I said Wardlow's single. <laughs> I thought I was going to get a way bigger pop. Uh, anyway, um, no, but so like I said, All Out is my anniversary. It was All Out 2019 that I was introduced to AEW and the world was introduced to me. So it's my anniversary. I'm teaming with my two brothers in this business, my former Pinnacle members, two men that have helped me so much. So much. They've helped me grow so much, and anything I need, I can go to them. Um, so to be teaming with them means the world to me. And then to be on the opposite side of the ring from Jay Lethal and the Motor City Machine Guns, who mm -hmm. are guys that I've watched for years that have changed the game, that have been so consistently good at what they do. It is an honor to share the ring with them. Um, and like I said, I have a new level of Wardlow that's ready to be unleashed. So it is just all around. Tomorrow means the world to me. Uh, my sister says, what's up? <laughs> literally what's up <laughs> Wardlow you're a great you're a great person to be around backstage you're a positive guy great story your success in wrestling couldn't happen to a better person it Thank really you. couldn't I, I, I also that. think that you are leading by example in a lot of ways right both as a champion as a human being as a wrestler and I think, already on me, you're leaving a great impact. So I know you're leaving a great impact on this business. Thank you. Thanks I for your time, that. buddy. Thank you guys All so right. much. Thank you. TNT champion Wardlow. How about him? Huh? And that is a wrap for AEW Unrestricted for 2022. We're excited about the new year. We're excited about 2023 and looking forward and welcoming so much more great AEW talent to the show and to the new year. This is such a great family. It just keeps growing and, and changing, and we all learn from each other, and it's just, it's so, so wonderful, and I'm glad that our fans who listen to this podcast every week get to know a little bit more about us and get to feel that love, too. So thank you so much for listening to AEW Unrestricted. You can find us on YouTube on Mondays. Just search AEW Unrestricted. New episodes of this podcast on all your favorite podcast platforms on Thursdays. Don't forget, we got AEW Dynamite on TBS Wednesdays, 8 o'clock, 7 central. AEW Rampage on TNT Fridays at 10 o'clock, 7 central. We've got AEW Dark Tuesday night on YouTube. AW Elevation on Monday. Mondays on YouTube. I'm Aubrey Edwards. Thank you for listening to AEW Unrestricted. Happy New Year! Come on, throw your hands up, let me see you. Unrestricted. Got the house now. We gonna turn it up, up, bring the house down. Got that big space pumping, make them bounce now. Flows it like they boss.